Isaiah 55. Yeah, yeah, if you have Bibles, bring them. And if you don't have Bibles, like I said, you can take that one with you, so. Alright guys, we're going we're gonna to read this passage, and then we're going to talk about it for a little bit. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love, sure for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and, the, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. All right. Um, first off, thanks for being patient with me on the songs. Um, I didn't know I was going to play until 10 minutes ago. So, um, you guys are nice. Um, <laughs> hopefully that's going to make this easier. Okay, here we go. So Isaiah 55. First thing I want you guys to do is, we don't have note sheets, my fault. Um, so just think in your mind, ideally what you want your life to look like one year from now, okay? Perfect. Whatever you think uh, you want your life to be one year from now, best thing you can imagine, and make it realistic. Don't say like astronaut or something. Um, so just, I'll give you 30 seconds. Just think about it. Um, I would have you write it down, but we don't have anywhere to write it down. You guys got it? Still thinking? I got you. I'm good. Okay. So, here's the thing. Um, keep that in your mind. Whatever you thought of, remember that. I wish you could write it down so you don't forget. But just keep that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to it in a little bit. So, Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Okay, so this far into the passage, he's saying, if you're thirsty, get a drink. If you're hungry, we got free food. Uh, but he's not literally saying, hey guys, you're thirsty, go over there um, and drink out of the water fountain. Or we got free food over here. If you're hungry, just get some free food. Um, what he's actually talking about, if you look in verse, in verse um, 3, it says, incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live. So he's talking about food and a drink that feeds the soul, okay? So he's not talking about literal food. There's not free food. There's not free drink. Literally, there's free food and drink for your soul, okay? For the deepest part of you, um, not your body, the spiritual part of you. And he says, come everyone who thirsts. So the question is, who has a thirsty soul? Um, and what I would tell you is that all of us, every single one of us has a thirsty soul. Um, did anyone, when they were thinking of their ideal state to be in one year from now, how many of you said, I'm all right, I'm okay, I don't, I don't have anything that I want right now, nothing could be better, I'm fully satisfied. Anyone? Anyone, okay. That's because we're, everyone is looking for something, okay? 
Everyone in society, um, in our culture, or in other cultures, everyone's searching for something. And you can see it all around you, right? Everyone has got this one-year plan, what they want their life to look like a year from now. And if you're like me, and I think most of us are, um, you've got this idea in your mind of something uh, that you want. Maybe it's money, maybe it's success, maybe it's a relationship, uh, maybe it's a combination of all of those. Um, But you think, if I get this, everything will be good. Everything will be all right. How many of you thought of your ideal situation and thought, well, this is what I want ideally, but even then, something's going to be missing? No one, right? Like, that's, (laughs) well, maybe you did. Um, But uh, the idea is that it's the ideal situation, and you believe when you get this, everything is just going to work out. Everything will be okay. You're not going to need anything else. but that's not true, okay? And I can show you that tonight um, just by talking to you, okay? Um, there are things in your past, right? The same, you've had this same one-year idea. What, what would I want ideally, okay? And maybe for last Christmas it was an Xbox or maybe it was um, a pony or something like that. And you got it, right? And it was awesome. You loved it, you played with it, and then it's kind of started to lose its luster and you... Now it's under your bed, or hopefully the pony's not under your bed, but whatever, the Xbox is under your bed, and it's not as cool as it used to be. And the thing is, everything is like that. Um, we all have this idea of something that's going to make us happy, and it, it does for a moment, um, but pretty quickly it loses its luster. And uh, the reason this text would say is that your soul is hungry for something. And what the Bible would say in Ecclesiastes is that God has written eternity on your heart. The heart, the inmost part of you, the deepest part of you, your soul has eternity written on it. Meaning, if you try to fill it with things that are temporal, things that don't last, things that are of this world, um, it's not going to fill that gap. It's not going to fill an eternity-shaped hole with um, finite things, okay? And a year from now, if you're lucky, you'll get all those things you wanted. You'll get that relationship. You'll get money. Um, and I pray that you will. Because if you do, you'll quickly realize what I said is true. That it'll be great for a moment, but eventually um, you're going to want something else. But if you don't want to wait a year, and I don't want you guys to, um, there's another test you can do to see if what I'm saying is true. Okay? And it is whatever you thought of, Think of that again, your ideal thing in one year from now. If it's money, if it's you want to be the best person on the basketball team, whatever it is, find someone who has that, okay? Find someone who's got a lot of money. Ask the kid who's the best on the basketball team and ask them this same question. What do you, where do you want to be a year from now, ideally? And they're going to tell you. They're going to say, well, I'd really like to be here. And what they're going to be telling you in that answer is, I'm not where I want to be right now, Okay? And so that shows you, like, if you want to be rich and you go talk to a rich person, um, they might tell you, I just really want genuine relationships. You know, I, I have a lot of money, and, um, but I can't find any real friends. Okay? Take a lesson from that and learn that that thing, whatever it is, if the person who has it isn't satisfied, you're not going to be any different. Okay? You're going to be the same way. When you get it, you're not going to be satisfied. And you see this all around. In America... It's rampant, this idea of, I'm going to get this and I'm going to be happy. Like, a big house. People want a big house, and they get a big house, and the next thing, by the time they've got it, they forgot, oh yeah, I thought that was going to make me happy. 
And then they think, well, I need stuff to fill this house, and then I need a boat, and I need a bigger house. And so what I'm asking you guys to do tonight is to become aware of what you think will make you happy so when you get that thing, you can judge what I'm saying and see whether the Bible is true. Because I know it is from my personal experience. So, ask that person, whoever it was, that has what you want, that you think is going to make you happy, and ask them the same question. And if you're really bold, you can tell them, well, you know, I was at Crave this week, youth thing, at my church, um, and someone actually told me that you were going to say, I'm not, I'm not satisfied, that there's something else I want. And they said that the Bible would say that. Would you be interested in coming next week and hearing more about why you think something else will satisfy you, even though... Um, up to this point, nothing has. Okay, so let's keep going in the, in the text. Um, go to verse 2. You guys there? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Okay, so maybe you're convinced, maybe you're not convinced, but listen either way and ask your friends this week the same question and Time will convince you, if nothing else, um, that this is true. But the question the text is asking is, why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Why do you eat that which is not bread? Okay, so it's this metaphor, right? It's telling, it's telling a metaphor. It's comparing our soul to our stomach, okay? When your stomach is hungry, uh, you eat. You eat food to fill that stomach. And when your soul is hungry, you need to eat food to fill your soul. The problem is, what we do is we eat things that aren't food for our souls to try and fill our soul, and it never works. And that's what he's saying. He's saying when you think um, something is wrong, you're not satisfied, and you run to these temporal things, you run to um, things of this world instead of spiritual things to fill you, it's like if I was hungry and I decided... What I really needed was to read a magazine. And so I read a magazine, and it might distract me for a moment, um, but ultimately, it's not going to fill my stomach. And then I do another thing, and it does distract me for a moment, but again, I'm still hungry afterwards. And so this is the picture he's painting. When we are feeling something's off, something's missing, even though we have all these things, every material thing we could want, what's missing is something spiritual, and so you can distract yourself for a moment, but only one thing can fill this soul's hunger. And that one thing is God, right? Look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jesus says he's the breath, bread of life and he's living water. Jesus is the food for your soul. And God isn't asking you, to do something difficult here, he's saying, satisfy yourself. Like, run to that which satisfies your soul. And that only thing that can do that is God. Is absolutely just God. He's the only thing that's going to fill that hole for any amount of time. Yes, you can distract yourself, just like reading a magazine when you're hungry. It might distract you. But anything but God is, is not going to fill that soul that eternity written on your heart. And so I'm going to show you, personally, I believe this. I absolutely 100% believe this. And 
the people in the Bible believe this. And so we're going to look at some other passages to show you what it looks like to be satisfied, to have a soul filled, okay? Turn with me to cha- uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. Philippians 3. I got to turn there too. Here we go. And if you find the page, just shout it out. Someone got it? Philippians chapter 3. 6.37. 6.37, okay. I'll give you guys a couple more moments. This guy's name is Paul. I'm, maybe you've heard of him. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he's going to tell us uh, where he used to look for satisfaction and where he now finds satisfaction, okay? Philippians 3, verses 4 through 11. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he, he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Okay, so here's what he's saying at this part. He's saying his old thing, the thing he ran to to try and fill his soul before he met Christ, was religion. And so this is what I'm not saying to you tonight. I am not saying that coming to church is going to fill your soul. And I'm not saying that being a good person is going to fill your soul. I'm saying that God and God alone, a relationship with him, can fill your soul. Because you can come to church and not know God. And you can be a good person, relatively, compared to your um, friends and not know God, okay? But it's not going to fill your soul. God himself, a relationship with him, will fill your soul. So if you, I just want to make it super clear, I am not saying that if you come to church, you do all the things that I say, you read your Bible, you pray, you worship, but you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with God, it's not going to fill you. It's going to be just as emptying just as empty as any of the other things in this world, okay? And look at what Paul says. Let's keep going. We were in verse 7. But whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Okay, so he's saying, I was religious. I was the number one. I was, I was a young guy. I was the head of my class. Everyone thought I was awesome. Everyone patted me on the back when I came to church and said, you are just such a good young man. And he was on the up and up, but he said, I count all loss. All that religious clout I had, all the people that thought I was just, I had it all, um, as far as being a good person, that means nothing to me. And so he's going to keep going further. Indeed, I count everything as loss. This is verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Right? Knowing Christ Jesus. So if you, if you look at this, He's saying that, yeah, I was religious, but I didn't know Christ. And so those two things are different. Like being religious, coming to church, doing good things, is not the same as knowing God. Because a lot of you in here tonight, and this is where I was when I was a youth, um, and I pray that maybe, maybe not, maybe not all of you in here tonight, but I, I would guess Uh, just based on statistics, that some of you in here tonight could tell me who Jesus was, 
Um, You could tell me some of the things he said, um, but you don't know him. You know Jesus like I know. um, Give me a famous person. Shout, Shout it out. Somebody famous. Michael Jackson. I know who Michael Jackson is. I know he had a dad that was um, oppressive. I know he had a lot of brothers. I know what he did as a kid. He sang the ABCs, right? Uh, Older people. Okay. Um, (laughs) I just separated the room, you see. All things to all people. Young people, old people. Here we go. Older people, sorry. Um, Anyways, so I could tell you a lot of things about Michael Jackson, but I absolutely do not know Michael Jackson, okay? And a lot of us, this is where I was, when I was a youth, is that we don't know Christ. We can say a lot of things about Christ, but we have no personal relationship with him. And that's not going to fill our souls. Okay, facts aren't going to fill our souls. Okay, let's keep going. We were in verse 8. I'm going to just read it again. Indeed, I counted everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain attain the resurrection from the dead. So what he's saying is, I count everything as trash. Rubbish means trash. It means garbage. Everything I had, all the worldly things, all the earthly things, I count them as trash compared to knowing Christ. Why? Because your soul, to your soul, when it's hungry, the only thing that can fill it is God. It's just like when you're hungry, um, if you're really hungry or really thirsty, you would trade anything for a bottle of water, right? If you were dying of thirst, you would trade all your possessions for a bottle of water. And that's what he's saying. Once he tasted the real food and the real, the real waters that filled his soul, nothing else mattered. And it's not just Paul, guys. Like, Paul really believes this. He, he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. Um, he eventually was killed. All okay. He's all okay with that because he knew God. He was okay um, with being, with starving, with having just the clothes on his back. He was okay with all of that because he knew God. And it's not just Paul. It's not just Paul that believes this. A lot of people in the Bible believe this, that knowing God is is worth more than anything else because it's the only thing that can satisfy the soul. So let's keep going. Uh, Let's turn with me to Psalm 107. And again, shout it out when you get there. The page number. Great. 325. We're just going to read one verse from Psalm 107, but this is good. You can flip around in your Bible, get familiar. One, what was it? What was the page number? 325. 325. When you get there, when you hear pages stop turning, I'll read it. We're reading verse 9. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Does anyone's Bible say um, who's, who wrote this psalm? 
You guys got a heading? Someone's got a heading. Psalm of... That's okay. The psalmist, I think um, it's David, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, The psalmist is saying that God is the only one that can satisfy the soul. He's backing up what the rest of the Bible has already said. He says that he will satisfy the longing soul the hungry soul he fills with good things. And that thing, that good thing he fills it with is himself. You can absolutely have a soul that knows God. Um, And let's keep going in the Psalms. Go to Psalm 73. While we're in there, just take a slight left couple pages. Seventy-three. When you get there, shout out the page number two. What? 311. 311. We're going to start in verse 25. My flesh and my heart may fail. Oh no, yeah. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He said there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. That next to God, all the earthly things are not worth it. He chooses God every time. And so back to the food metaphor, guys. When you're hungry and you've tasted God, God has filled that with, with himself in your soul, you don't run back to things that aren't food. Now that you guys know that food is what you need when you're hungry, you eat food, right? You don't just run to other things like, oh, what should I, I'm hungry, what should I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play some video games. That should take care of it. And that's what he's saying is that his soul is hungry and he knows the earthly things, the things of this world, aren't going to fill that. Only God can. Absolutely, only God can. And so, flip with me back to Isaiah 55. We're doing a lot of flipping tonight. Um, and we are... Eventually, we're going to start a book, and so we won't be doing this much flipping. Um, we're probably going to actually start Philippians, is what I'm planning on doing. Okay, so Isaiah 55 again. Um, I'm going to start in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Okay, so every time we put our hope and whatever we thought of as our ideal, whatever it is we want, whatever whatever it is we think will make us happy, that's our God. That's God to us. That's where we put our satisfaction, our hope. And when we put our hope in anything but God, that's sin, okay? That's absolutely sin. And you know what the wages of sin, the Bible says, is? It says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. And so you and me, we've all put something else in the place of God. We've all decided that God... um, you know, I, you've promised me that you're all I need, but I'm, I think what I really need is video games, or what I think I really need is money, or a girlfriend, or whatever it is. We've decided that that is what we need, and when we do that, that's sin. It's offensive to God, and, and the wages of sin is death, and, and eternal separation from God. But, there's good news, right? Look, it says that, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is, while he is near. Let the wicked man forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
Okay, so if we forsake our way, if we turn from what we were doing, from putting our satisfaction in worldly things, in success, in money, whatever it is, and we start putting our satisfaction in God, He will abundantly pardon. Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ died once for sins that He might bring us to God. So there's good news, right? If you've been putting your satisfaction in other things, God has paid the bill. All those sins that we committed, Christ paid for on the cross. So let's run to God. He says, call upon me while, while I am near. Guys, just, just so you know, for every one of you in here tonight, He's near, right? I'm telling you this. He's calling to you through His Word. Come to me. Think about it this week, what we talked about, about satisfaction, the long-term satisfaction comes only in God. Whatever you think you want now, five years from now, it's not going to mean very much to you. But the one thing all those people had in the Bible that we read is God satisfied them their whole life. They gave their whole life to God because He's worth it. Isaiah 55 says, delight yourself in rich foods. He says, just run to God. Taste and see that He's good. So my question to you tonight is, why? Why labor for what doesn't satisfy? Why continue to throw your love on all these things that they let you down eventually, right? Why keep doing it over and over and over and moving on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? What I'm asking you tonight is when that happens, remember what we just talked about. Remember that God is the only one that can satisfy you. God can absolutely change your heart. If, if you're in here tonight and you think, okay, I, I buy it. I, I'm in. I'm in. I understand that God is the only thing that can satisfy my soul, but I don't love Him like I should. I don't want Him like I should. I, I still want those other things. You absolutely cannot change your own heart, guys. You can't just will yourself to love God. You can't. What the Bible says is that God is the only one that can change the heart. That we can't force ourselves to love God. Just like if I put a plate of broccoli in front of you, you couldn't force yourself to like it if you didn't like it. What you like, you like. But God is gracious and He has promised us in Ezekiel 36, 26 that He will put a new heart within us and a new spirit. That if we run to God and we say, God, for some reason I love the things of this world more than you, change me, change my heart. He'll absolutely do it. He'll change your heart and He'll make your heart into a heart that loves Him, that loves what is good. So the solution tonight, what's the solution? If you're here and you you bought in, the solution is pray and eat. Okay? Pray that God would change your heart and continue to run to Him and feast on this food, on the food of God, on the food of His Word. But just like a person who's never eaten before or who hasn't eaten in a long time, it might not be easy at first, right? If you haven't eaten for days and you eat something, you might, you might throw up. You might, it might not be that easy because your stomach's tight and it's not. And, it, and it's just like that with us and spiritual food. The devil is going to want you, he's going to try and stop you from running to God, from eating good food with all his might. 
But this week, if you pray and you eat, and you pray and you eat and you pray and you eat, you'll be satisfied. It's a promise. It is absolutely a promise. God has said that he is the only thing that will satisfy, and he's promised he will. He promised he'll change our hearts. So, practical steps this week. Two things. Say it with me. Pray, pray, and eat. Okay. Pray and eat. I really want you to get this, guys. I really want you guys to get this. Like, I, I actually believe it. Like, God in my life means more than anything else, more than any possession, more than any relationship. God means more. I believe it. And I hope that as we get to know each other, you'll see that that's true, that I'm not just pulling your leg. I'm not just saying this because it's, it's something fun to do on Wednesday nights. I'm saying this because I absolutely believe it. But my fear... Listen up, because I am genuinely afraid. My fear is that you guys are going to have to wait until life kicks the trash out of you before you get this. You're going to have to wait until you get a really bad divorce and it rips you apart to realize that relationships aren't going to satisfy you. My fear is that it's going to take you being a 75-year-old man with $2 million to realize I can buy anything I want and it still doesn't satisfy. My fear is that you guys will starve your souls while this book sits on the shelf within an arm's reach. And so what I'm asking you tonight is just when you're not satisfied, when this time comes, because it will, I promise you, it will. Remember what I said. Run to God. He's winning. And so tonight, if there's anyone who's, who's ready, uh, they're like, I'm in, I, I believe it, I, I'm there, um, let's talk and let's pray together. And um, maybe you're here tonight and you've made that commitment before. In the past, you've said, God, you're my all. I trust you to forgive my sins. Um, but you're not living it out. That there's n- there is no relationship with God. He's not a part of your everyday life then let's talk, let's pray. Because I can promise you, and you can talk to the adults tonight, that it's, it satisfies. And it's the only thing that can. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to sing um, one more song. Unfortunately, since I'm playing, um, since I'm 